0: On the first day of the week, Luke 24, verse 1, at early dawn, they went up to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. My whole life I've laughed at that, by the way, dazzling apparel, because I was a 90s kid and... I think bedazzled, and I'm—I have these two like guys. I'm assuming they're guys. Bedazzled, like so. Like there's some like eight-year-old girl like punching little sequins on these, and I'm like, but the the scriptures say (laughs) dazzling. Like you're reading the story and you go, wait a second, that's not a word that normally exists within scriptures. Dazzling. Needless to say, it was shocking. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground the men said to them Why do you seek the living among the dead He is not here but he has risen Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third and on the third day rise And they remembered his words and returning from the tomb they told all these things to the 11 and to the rest Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and the Mary of mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping, looking in. He saw the linen cloth by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Father in heaven, as as, uh, I talk... Lord, I pray that your words are heard in here and that the things that you need to be um, doing by your spirit within this room happens and not me. So, Lord, um, help help our teaching time or this monologue, so to speak, uh, be glorifying to you and impactful for your kingdom and drawing people into your presence through salvation, through healing of brokenness to healing in general. So Lord, we expect you to move in this place. Your son's name who has risen today. Amen. So Easter at a church is like the Super Bowl. I've heard people say don't talk about that, like let's not pretend like this day is special than any other day, but really it is, right? This is the first year in like 50- Is that a Holy Spirit nudge and not say what I'm about to say? (laughs) Hmm. Might plow through it. If I die in the next three minutes, I would love for you to take care of my family up here. We still have college of fun, so please. If that happens. If it does, I want it in the papers, and it's the best place to die at the front of the the church on Easter morning, right? Okay, I'm going to plow through what I was going to say. This is the first (laughs) This is the first Sunday in 14 years where I uh, did not play Suit Up Sunday. In fact, I did tuck my shirt in, which is weird. But for 14 years, I've convinced all the men in the church to wear suits on Easter morning. And we called it Suit Up Sunday. I got a bunch of texts this morning asking if I suited up for the first time being a lead pastor at a church. And I was like, no. No. But what almost happened is I almost stood in front of you with my zipper down today. Almost. One of our wonderful ushers, Joe, said, hey, I think your zipper's down. I'm like, my zipper's down. (laughs) Which you go from like fancy suit Sunday to like I'm just going to show up. Normal. We're, you know what, we are a casual, like salt of the earth church. We don't take anything too seriously. We're we're passionate about Jesus, but you know what? I'm not even going to zip my pants up this morning, and I'm just going to stand in front and I'm going to see who notices and be like, "We're all there, the whole all of us." And you guys will be like, "Yeah, that's my pastor. Yeah, look, you can see his underpants." Almost happened. Now, be honest. Who would have told me that that happened? After church, if I wasn't told to zip my zipper up before I stepped up in front of you, who would have said, That's, okay, <laughs> you are true friends. <laughs> the rest of you are liars. <laughs> so that almost happened. And, and I, I, I was like, oh, my goodness. What does it have to do with this, right? We put our best foot forward on Easter morning. Right, we're a little bit more peppier. Us church people are a little bit more peppier. We, we walk with, um, with our shoulders back and our heads up and our chest out, and we're like, yeah, today we won. We are the patriots of Christians. We won everything over and over again because our Jesus rose. And we come to church that way, and we, and we celebrate, and we're dressed nice, and, and there's, by the way, your daughter's hair. I'm, and, and nobody's going to know this. Your daughter's hair. It's beautiful this morning. i was like I I leaned over to Adrienne and my wife, and I said, "Hey, Liliana's hair is really beautiful when she like curls it and stuff." I'm a boy; I I notice those things, right? But we're just we're like we put our best foot forward on Easter morning because we won today. Now I think what happens, and here's what happens is we. As followers of Jesus, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be more self-reflective, me as a follower of Jesus, somebody who's committed my life to Christ at, at a younger age and been discipled in a church and raised in a church and, and had people care about me and, and went to Bible college and seminary and did the, all that stuff and like decided that God called me to do this particular thing that we're doing, which is I'm still trying to figure out what we're actually doing. Um, this is a big day for me because I have this entire backstory and this life that's filled with brokenness, that's filled with sin, that's filled with with fights with my wife and kids, that's filled with poor decisions, that's filled with with all sorts of hurts, that's filled with sickness, that's filled with fear, that's filled with all this stuff, all of it. And I, and I have it, and I have a pretty good life, but but up until, like, I have all that. Every, and so every Easter, I come up, and I'm like, I remember all of that. It's like this weird Rolodex that just goes... I remember all that stuff, right? And then that moment happens where I go, I am no longer a slave to those things, not because of the thing I've done, but the thing that Jesus did. And that, and that's why I get excited. And it's not that we don't kind of celebrate Easter every Sunday in the evangelical church. We kind of do. We sing Easter songs. We talk about the resurrection. We talk about the power of Jesus. We talk about, about forgiveness. We talk about all of these things all throughout the year, but this one morning, I think collectively, starting with me, we go through our life and say, thank you, Jesus, that I'm no longer a slave to all of that. All of it, even the stuff that happened yesterday, I'm no longer a slave, and that's exciting. So this morning, um, I had a talk prepared. And I'm going to use my same points, but it's, it's going to be different, I think, than what I originally planned. I think I'm going to speak from the heart, and I want to give us an opportunity. because, So, elders, we're going to have some ministry time at the end, and I'm going to kind of deviate a little bit with our worship. We'll just have a hand I'm going to ask you to come. I don't even know where you are, you're back there. And I'm going to have you come up and just play piano. And I want to have some ministry time, because some of us need to encounter that victorious life in Jesus today. Whether it's um, first time taking a step forward. And saying, I want, to, I want to understand you, Jesus, in a deeper way. Or taking a step forward and saying, I need prayer for healing. Or taking a step forward and saying, I'm struggling in my parenting. But what we do here at our church and what we love to do is we love to ask you to say, I'm going to take a step forward. And, and symbolizing by, by actually literally taking a step forward and coming down and having the elders come around you. Because one of the things that we love to do at our church is fight with you and to be with you and to put our arms around you and say, yeah, we're going to win together. Because Jesus won before us. So this first thing that's in your bulletin says, Jesus is victorious. The victory. See, the the issue is as people, if if we've gone through the story, I just read the story to you. I'm not even sure I'm going to work back to it that much. It might just be like me just preaching from the heart or, or sharing from the heart this morning. We live as though we won, yes, but we're lazy about the way that we live. So we know Jesus is victorious. We know that he won. We know he went to the cross, and on this day we celebrate him coming out of the tomb. We know all that, and the, and the stones rolled away, and we, we hear the story, and then the women going, and going, ah, there's not here, these are, and we understand that, but then we, with the way in which we, I think we live, we live as though we've already won, which means in a lot of ways we get lazy. Anybody an NBA fan here? Like, do you guys watch basketball? This is not is this a basketball state? So my sons. The NBA is a horrible league. It's it's not, I mean, basketball is so ridiculous, right? It's 82 games, and they play all year, but like the last four or five weeks they start to care. And the teams that that are good enough to know that they're gonna win, they care just a touch more than everybody else. And then they go win. Instead of putting in the work and doing the effort and taking those steps forward daily and really, really approaching Jesus on a daily basis, they just we kind of wait. And they wait, the NBA, they just wait till the end. Last four weeks, let's win in the playoffs. Let's go do our thing because we know we're going to win because we just have the best players on the team. And so we're just going to win. And that's one of the reasons why I, like, the NBA kind of goes like this and then it goes like this. And, and it's because people aren't that interested because you can tell that they're not giving their best effort. And you can just watch, and you're like, I don't want to slog through this. As a church family and as a church, I think not just us, but across the world, we kind of operate in that way. We kind of just slog through our life, and we kind of just, we know that we're going to kind of win at the end. And, I, you know, if you just get down to there to the backside, we're going to win, and eventually, eventually I'm going to die, and I'm going to go to heaven. But we lose that Jesus is victorious in the now, and that every day matters. And every day you have an opportunity to encounter somebody to extend a hand or extend a hug or extend a word and say I want to invite you into this war that you're living and know that you can win because Jesus is victorious and we're going to wrestle now as opposed to just waiting until it's over. And that's when I, uh, that's where I'm like the now matters. I remember receiving Christ as a young kid and going and, and, like, I know this because I remember it was visceral in my mind, and I still think about it. What's next? Now what? Do I just wait to die? Because a lot of us kids, when we accept Christ, or even, even some now, we're, we're so scared to go to hell that we turn and go, how do I not go there? And we make this decision to not go there, but then we're left with this, now what? What do I do now? And there's all sorts of church things that we can add to that. Church programs, church activities, church words, church whatever. But still the question remains, what do I do now? Jesus is victorious. He won. He's inviting you to be in relationship with him you're allowed to be victorious as well. And you can say, I think the video at the beginning said, you can say goodbye to addiction. You can say goodbye to depression. You can say goodbye to sin. You can say goodbye to slavery. You can say goodbye to to feeling the way that you feel. You can say goodbye to your condemnation. You can say goodbye to all those things because Jesus gave victory. What does that mean? Jesus made things that have no life alive. Last week I said, when we talked about Palm Sunday, that at the end of the passage, Luke said that Jesus said that if you don't worship this inanimate object, these stones will cry out in worship. He will give stones life. If The presence and power and authority of Jesus Christ can give an inanimate stone life. What can it do to a living image bearer of the king? What can that do to you and to me when you receive the power and authority of Jesus in your life? What can it do? What will you do? Rocks and stones will cry out. Will you cry out? See this tomb being empty is fascinating to me because um people try to debunk it and if you watch the history channel for more than like fifteen minutes there's all kinds of fun specials on it and it's it's really fascinating actually. And there's supposedly all of these different artifacts from the tomb and the shroud and and, and um one of the things with um with Notre Dame in, in Paris that happened uh, in the last couple weeks is there was a piece of the they had um, encapsulated parts of the uh, crown of thorns there at the at the church It was rescued out, but they have all these artifacts the thing that the thing and people have been trying to debunk the resurrection forever. The thing that continues to like hit me in the heart over and over is that you had this group of people that relentlessly preached about Jesus' death and resurrection for 2,000 years that's been going on we haven't stopped we just like continue to, to, to bang the drum no Jesus is alive Jesus is alive he's victorious he's victorious for thousands of years and we haven't changed our message we've changed our style a little bit We've changed our look, our language, but the message has been the same. There's power and authority in that. There's a sustaining thing that's going on that, that's, that's indescribable, but we just keep stepping forward and saying, Jesus lives. Jesus lives. The resurrected Jesus is here. Are you dead? Jesus wants to make you alive. This morning, I made some silly jokes about the Patriots or NBA or whatever, right? But what would it look like if we lived like we won? Because Jesus did win. What would it look like? I I think we feel guilty winning. Like, we've been told that it's not fair to win. Biblically, that's not accurate. And I think we've actually made winning something different than what it is. Winning isn't a prize pool. Winning isn't a trophy. Winning isn't a medal. Winning is not having the Rolodex of your sin anymore. That holds you down. Turn with me to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every single weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us lay aside everything, everything that tears us down, that holds us down, that weighs us down. That doesn't mean it's a quick fix and things just get done. Sometimes that's true. Sometimes that's 100% true to where you... Unite your life with Christ. and You take a step forward and say, Lord, I need your help. And th- one of those things, that addiction is just gone. That can happen. But I'm not going to sit here and pretend like that it happens for everything because it doesn't. But what it does do is that you are given permission to lay it down and allow somebody else to handle it, to allow somebody else to take care of it, to allow somebody else to deal with it. And that somebody else is Jesus. It's not me. It's not the person next to you. You know what it is? It's this cloud of witnesses that the writer of Hebrews is talking about. It's all of us in the room witnessing to who Jesus is and his power and authority over life and saying, yes, I give you permission to lay it down, lay it down so that you can take a step closer to me without anything hindering you, without anything holding you back, without anything that's making you remind you of what's behind you. Because you have to continue to move forward towards him. It is easy for us to kind of igloo up and wallow in our shame and our guilt and our frustration and the things that aren't going well for us. And the things that we don't like about our lives. And the things that we wish were different. And we igloo or we turtle. We go into our shell and we just kind of sit. And we hope that somebody remodels our shell for us. The cloud of witnesses is saying yes and amen to take a step forward. Lay aside all the sin that entangles you and run with endurance towards Jesus. Walk with endurance towards Jesus. The point is take a step towards Jesus. Because he is victorious and he makes dead things alive. And if you were to live like he won, what would that look like? I'm going to edit that out of the podcast. That silence right there. <laughs> and I wasn't thinking about what to say. Truth is, I never think about what to say. I just say it. And I, we, I'm your pastor, and I'm as transparent as it gets. I talk about my zipper being down, I talk about all that stuff, right? And I'm never going to lie to you, and I'm always going to be honest. I heard myself I heard myself say what I said. And this isn't to be arrogant or weird, but it impacted me. <laughs> I'm like, did I really just say that? Did those things just come out of my mouth? Do I really believe that? Do I live that way? And it just, as I walked back to turn to another passage, I'm going to invite you to turn with me too. It hit me that like, I might not live that way all the time either. I might not live as though Jesus won the day. I might live with shame and guilt and frustration and anger that we don't have a power circuit that can make the ham hot this morning or I kick a copier. Where now drawer one doesn't work, by the way, ever. Sorry. It needed to be broke. But it hit me like, I live that way too. Did I really say that to my son? Ooh. Did I really say that to my wife? Oh. Did I really think that about the person driving in front of me? You get what I'm saying. It hit me. Because I want what I'm saying for me as much as I want it for you. I want us to live as though we're alive because Jesus won. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15. Hannah, if you want to start playing, you can. I like... I like having somebody play in the background while I'm talking. It's like I have my own personal soundtrack. I mean it's fun. You guys should try it sometime, just if you have kids who can play the piano or like turn on some like classical music at home and then just start talking. Be like, yeah, I'm I'm pretty good at this. So I like that. First Corinthians fifteen verse fifty says this. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you, a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this is a perishable body, must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on the immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory, gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. 1 John 5, 4 says this, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. And this is the victory, and this is the victory our faith. I'm going to invite the elders to come up. And here's what we're going to do. If maybe if a couple of our ushers or Joe you want to go out there, if if you need to leave, that's fine. This is going to be what's called a soft dismissal, meaning that we don't want to force you to sit here and watch what happens, but we want our elders to be able to be available to minister to people who want prayer, who want to take that step. So I'm going to say it again, this is our victory, our faith. What's faith? You don't need more faith. I'm telling you, that is not an accurate way to think about it. You don't need more faith. You need one little seed of faith that says, I'm going to take one step. That's all you need. And I promise you that the victorious Jesus will meet you as you take that step. Grab your hand, pull you forward, and there will be a church that's ready to receive you that's going to fight with you, that's going to pray with you, that's going to care for you, that's going to take care of your kids, that's going to disciple you in the Lord, and that's what we're here to do. That's us.